Rightio, Potty, we're back, mate. We are live. Fantastic. And I think the great Shannon Knoll said it, for, said it best, mate. I've got a car. Talking about a big black shiny car. I've got a big black shiny car. Maybe tonight we can go for a ride. Let's drive. Oh, let's have it, guys. It's podcast time. Let's do it. How's the week been, Gregor? Mate, the week has been great. Celebrated a wonderful Anzac Day and thank you to all those who have served, past and present. Uh, we take our hats off to you and your commitment. Yes, thank you 100%. What's caught your eye, mate? What's caught my eye this week? It's Vegas, it's Vegas time, baby. Vegas? Yeah, Vegas. Oh, you don't have to tell me twice. No. What have we got? The NRL is coming out today and they have announced an audacious bid, that's right, audacious, to play the opening two games, a double header of the 2024 season, over in none other than Las Vegas, Sin City. What could possibly go wrong, Potty? Oh, well. <laughs> the NRL boys heading to Vegas. What are the chances of getting a boys trip to Vegas? Um, I mean, if we could rejig and put a bit of creativity into the reasoning behind it, I mean, obviously this podcast has, um, you know, has a tentacle system that reaches far. So that's right. A work trip, a work trip. Absolutely. We need to report on these groundbreaking things in rugby league. Way on business. I didn't put it in Vegas. No, I I mean, it's, it was Vlandy's choice. We got to go with it. So what do you think of that idea anyway, Gregor? Well, what I think immediately, if I think the NRL is going to Vegas, and, you know, don't get on my back, but it's definitely nothing to do with rugby league, I think, what could possibly go wrong? What are the players going to get up to? And, my gosh, is Candy, Chardonnay, Peaches and Shanique going to get paid? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, mate, so what, what's the plan? What's the, what's the information? What's, what does the NRL sort of put out for us at the moment to sort of suggest how this is going to go? Well, it's not locked in at the moment, but they're suggesting that the opening two games, the doubleheader, would be taken over to Las Vegas to kick off the season. A thousand questions popped into my mind about how does it work with the yeah. turnaround, and I imagine they'd have to consider some sort of split first round where they play the first round a week earlier with a couple yeah. of, um, with a couple of games, and then those teams basically have a fortnight off to get back, recover, leading into the season. But that's just what I think would happen. Yeah. It's obviously just in the early phases where they're letting it, you know, putting putting the feelers out, so to speak. It's interesting because the NFL, it works when they go to the UK. Yeah. But, you know, in reality, if you're an Eastern Seaboard team in the US, you're only six hours behind. It's no different from driving, uh, from, sorry, flying, should I say, from Auckland to Perth, really. So yeah. it's not that big of a deal, but, you know, that'd be massive for a, a team to go, you know, what the, the 16 hours or whatever it would be to get to Vegas. Um, I love it from the idea of it's something different. And, yeah, I'm, I'm always interested in when the NRL comes to the table with different ideas. 
I mean, in terms of growing the game, I think that would be a fair stretch for us to say. But, you know, if it means that fans have got an excuse to go over to Vegas... Bring it on. Well, I think Peter Volandis might be just looking for an excuse. It to might be, yeah. It's probably the commentary team at Channel 9 have pushed this one, especially if Joey's on it. Freddie, Joey. <laughs> Freddie and Joey are on the trip. Um, yeah, that's pretty interesting, mate. Anything else happening around town? Oh, well, as far as what's caught my eye, Aaron Rodgers signing the with the Jets. Oh, he's, he just disputed that he's the GOAT. He's the GOAT in terms of turning up to a game in Texas. I'll give you the hot tip. Yeah, well, he, um, he is a Green Bay legend, that's for sure. That's for sure. Super Bowl winner, QB, MVP. So, so was he older than the coach last season? I think he I think might he have been. Is. Yeah, yeah and so, that's a, which is a bizarre thing, because I know there was a bit of friction there. Yeah, and yeah, it, it, you can't really picture him in, in Jets, in a Jets outfit, can you? But... It's a bit of a Hail Mary play by the Jets, yeah. isn't it, picking up a QB? They're, they're going for their Tom Brady, Tampa Bay sort of a mm. throw up the stumps, aren't they? Yeah, but, I mean, it's one of those things that if you can get a proven quarterback and 39 in quarterback years isn't the end of the road. No. You know, Tom Brady has proven that despite you know him being dis- um, arguably the GOAT. Yeah, I, I mean, I like it. What could go wrong for the Jets? Because, I mean, it hasn't been flowing so nicely there though I, I mean they've missed the playoffs you know they have a ton yeah and so might a, as well have a swing yeah in a challenging conference but um mm. yeah what, what's caught your eye mate so what has caught my eye is golf weekends mate golf weekends. golf weekends i mean we enjoyed the pleasures of a golf weekend on the weekend it was up at the corralbin valley which was was beautiful um However, I would think in reflection of the golf weekend that golf weekends away with the boys are the bedrocker of a good marriage. I would say that those who go on golf weekends are far happier in their marriage because, you know, I came home and I was so relaxed. I'd had a great time away with the boys, a couple of beers, nothing too outrageous. And I just thought, gee, I love my wife. I mean, what do you think about that? Well, mate, that's, you know, that's the romantic in you is just coming out, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, it did happen to be my wedding anniversary while I was away <laughs> on my golf trip. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I remembered my, my wife, uh, she didn't yeah. remember until late in the afternoon, but uh, nothing a, a bunch of flowers and a, and a bar of uh, Black Forest chocolate couldn't fix, mate. Well, mate, just, that, that's, what can't the flowers and the black forest jockey fix mate seven years it's going well a bit more into uh what has caught my eyes i couldn't help be uh taken back by victor radley again mate victor radley in the sin bin i tell you what mate the certainty of victor radley going in the sin bin is up there with me not reading the instructions on a flat pack i'll (laughs) tell you what like every week he's going in the bin it's crazy well, did you get your eyes on the latest one this afternoon? I did. It, I mean, Tedesco was blown up, and, and I I can sympathise with him absolutely because it was a head clash. It's a head clash. That's all it was, yeah. yeah. If but, it's Joseph Suwalihi who makes that tackle and that head clash, is he sitting on the bench? Or yeah, is it I a mean, Victor that's, Radley thing? That's a good question. Yeah. 
I mean, and they, they have had the same complaints with Warrior Hargraves in the past. Oh, he'd have been arrested. <laughs> <laughs> Straight to jail. Yeah. Um, another thing, mate, the name of the studio. So we threw it out to fans on, on Instagram a fortnight ago around the name of our new studio, and we had some really, really interesting fan suggestions. Would you like me to go through some for you? I would. Go through. Uh, so the first one we had was the Scott Minto Studio. Scotty Minto. Which I really liked because that's what we're after here at the Sports Detention. We're after a name of the studio that really speaks about us. Yeah, and I And I think in terms of NRL quality, we're about the Scott Minto area. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the other Broncos one, legend. Broncos legend. Tonya Harding Studio. Tonya. Yeah, Deviants. Yeah. So, absolutely. And we'll... Oh, we'll t- done what? Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you could argue that. I mean, Nancy Kerrigan wouldn't get our vote on that one. No, she certainly wouldn't. The Stephen Bradbury Studio. Stephen, yeah. Yeah, so someone who just came from nowhere and uh, took the gold. Now, interesting about the Stephen Bradbury uh, story is a couple of beers on the weekend. Yeah. Last Man Standings. Did yeah. you have one? I did. Mate, they were pretty delicious. I enjoyed that drop. So I was reading the story about the uh, last stand, man standing brew, and it's obviously in uh, in a bit of a a show of a tip of the hat to Stephen Bradbury. So yeah, it was quite a quite a delicious drink. If you find yourself uh, coming across the last man standing, the fine cotton studio, yeah. self explanatory. John Daly studio. I like this oh, one. I like Long John Daly. I mean. Yeah, what a golfer and what a legend on all things off the course as well. Unstoppable. Uh, the Daryl Eastlake Studio. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, no, mate, that's a, which I think, I mean, he probably had far more quality than we've got, let's yeah, be honest. <laughs> that's probably a bit of a kick in the guts to old Daryl. And the final one we've got, which I think is a disgrace, the John Terry Studio. Oh, so someone's, Terry. someone's come in and had a, had a real crack at us. They've obviously heard my rant on John Terry <laughs> and the <laughs> fact that he's the greatest racist the Premier League's ever seen, and they've thrown that in there. But we'll get that up again on the socials for any of our listeners who want to participate again, um, and we'll have our final suggestions before we have the big opening. And I'm telling you what, you remember uh, Tiger King? Tiger King, I do. The documentary? Yep. When he opened up his new section of the park as the Steve Irwin Memorial Shelter. Oh, yep, yep. And the barbecue area. Yep. I mean, we're going to go bigger than that. Well. I mean, it's going to be hard, but yep. we're going to go bigger than that. Bigger than that. Oh. Okay. Great work, guys. I, I love some of those names there. Scotty Minto. Oh. So dude. we'll keep that up for su- suggestions. And uh, yeah, if you could share your thoughts on that, and we'll go with a final decision on our next show. Mate. Should we get into the footy? The rugby league final was a big Wembley occasion. Oh, get that in here! Let's get into the footy, mate. So, match of the round. I had the Dolphins versus the Titans for my match of the round, and after 26 minutes... Didn't look good. It did not look good at all. So, the Titans are up 26-0. I mean, that's game over, isn't it? That's done. Done, dusted. Can't win yeah, from there. Yeah, there's not many that you would see come back from that, but possible. But well, in fact, there's unlikely. only been one other team that's come back and won from mm. 26 points down in NRL, in NRL history, and there was another team that came back to draw. Was it... 
how close were the Panthers and the Tigers in 2000, maybe? Mm, I didn't I, see them on their fact sheet. That yeah, because I remember there. being at home, and that was back in the delayed game. Yeah. So the 4 oh, o'clock yeah. game would be delayed. And I'm at home watching the 4 o'clock game, and I've got about you know 25 minutes through the first half. Penrith are getting absolutely hammered, and I've gone, well, I'm off out the front yard to kick the footy. Yeah. The next minute I see these palookas driving down with their Panthers flags out the window, just yahoo, and I'm going, well, yeah. but um, yeah, no, I... And then, obviously, watching the rest of the match, I was to find out what occurred. But, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that stands. Yeah, but the Dolphins, once again, showing their resilience, and they came back to win 28-26. Um, the, the Titans came out of the blocks really, really fast, and it looked like Redcliffe just weren't there. Great fight. The um, Dolphins, mate. The Dolphins. Sorry. You're going to get us cancelled. You I, are going to get us cancelled. I need to really pull my head <laughs> in on that one. <laughs> Uh, great fight from uh, Redcliffe. Uh, I once heard you've just done it again. <laughs> I want great fight from the Dolphins. I once heard the uh, famous and great Gus Gould say it's hard to win a game twice, and I just feel like that was the case for the Titans over the weekend. The Dolphins they had all the momentum; they were coming home, and once they got there, despite. Robert Jennings' best efforts. Oh, mate. They were yeah. able to get over the line. I was waiting for like two of his teammates to carry him over the line, pick him up and just just lift him into the into the try line. Mate, but, dead said he nearly got a run on the integrity report. Yeah, <laughs> that was bizarre. Now, I'm, I'm going to draw a line in the sand and I'm going to say that we can't be cancelled here at the Sports Detention. So from now on, the Dolphins will be known as Redcliffe. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Red, they are Redcliffe and that is final. Um, or the Winnie Reds. The Winnie Reds. Hey, that was what I saw the jersey. I was like, oh, gee, that looks so much better than their regular jersey. They don't <laughs> look like a pack of durries. <laughs> but um, my match of the round, mate, I had the Storm and the Warriors. As we record, we've gone too early, so I haven't been able to watch that match. That's currently being played. So I'm going to go with the other Anzac match today, the, the Roosters and the Saints. Um, you know... It was different mm. because I wasn't looking at the screen at the TV screen cross-eyed like I usually am at about five thirty on a on an Anzac Day afternoon. Yeah, but um, you know they they always deliver those Anzac matches, don't they? Oh, I they mean, do. You know the Dragons, whether it be the Dragons or whether it be the Roosters, form line goes out the window when it comes to these matches, and they they generally produce. It was a real back and forward tussle. The Roosters looked comfortable at times. Um, they looked like they'd just put that little buffer um, in between, but the Dragons just kept coming. And, I mean, just a, a set of loose hands on that last play. You know, they were bursting through and they were looking like they could have got a try to finish it off. But, yeah. yeah, a really, really good match all round and very physical match. And Luke Keery just showing his class at the end again. Yeah. Three-time premiership player, just showing he knows how to get it done in the big moments. With a player down to knock it over yep. and, uh, yeah, do the business for the Roosters. Yeah, but that was a, it was a cracking match. They'd be used to that now, wouldn't they? The Roosters? <laughs> <laughs> Mate, yeah, well, I mean, yes. In terms of stats for Simbins, Victor Radley, give him a dally M. Um, but I, as in fairness to Victor, we've argued that the referees have got to pull their heads in. Yep, well, that was a top game. What were the other results over the weekend, mate? Rabbitohs versus Panthers, mate. 20-18 to, uh, to the Rabbitohs. They, I mean, their comeback was was unreal. Um, as a Panthers fan, it was 
it was hard to take. Um, I think, you know, we could have just, you know, there, we, we win that one 12 months ago. I think we're just the form line with us yeah. at the moment. Um, however, the carry-on after it, I mean, in terms <laughs> of, you know, who's your daddy and all that sort of bullshit, I mean, give yourselves an uppercut. The, the images around with Latrell and Cody holding a baby Jerome Luai. Who's your daddy? Probably the bloke with two premiership rings on his Probably hand. Probably the bloke who's won two grand finals yeah. in the last two years, I, mean, I reckon. Cannot do a best man speech. We've already covered Ooh, that. Oh, no. We but he has won two premierships. Get yourselves a couple of ring fella, rings, fellas, and then you can chat all the shit you want. That's right. That's right. I couldn't agree more. I saw that image and I was like, you are having me on. But they were, uh, but yeah, you know, typical of South, they were carrying on like they'd been uh, let back in the comp again. But, you know, it was, <laughs> it was a last minute win. So all good there, mate. The Friday night game, the Bronx and the Eels, mate. Oh, what, what did you think of that? And oh, I'll, I'll, well. I'll come in over the top. Well, mate, we uh, we actually watched this together, didn't we? While we're on our um, boys, uh, our golf trip away, and um, we're I, I had to sit through the the slaughter that was the first half with a raging Bronco supporter two foot behind me yeah, as well. It was it was actually so interesting because obviously the Carrowland Valley just sits almost directly west of the Gold Coast, yeah, past Bow Desert. But you know, the most belligerent Broncos fan had come from New South Wales that day and was on the bus with us. He was. <laughs> and the way that you were not getting away with anything and he just, mate, he just moulded in with the locals and, I mean, they, I thought they were going to chair, uh, chair him out of, the, out of the pub at the end of the night. But, yeah, it was very, very... I mean, the Broncos were good. They were really good they in the good. first half and uh, in particular in the first half. And, look, I, I didn't think... Um, Parramatta were too far off the pace, but nothing nothing at all went their way as far as bouncing the ball either. A try to the Broncos off a drop ball, um, straight in their hands, Broncos score. Then um, a Reese Walsh kick, which looks like it's going a mile dead, bounces up and Katoni Staggs with a fantastic knockback. Yeah. And then um, another try off a kick, and, and, and before Parramatta knew it, they were down 26-6. It was those, those little 1% of plays, and yeah. I mean... I could see the frustration in your eyes as, as we were watching it. But just those little things Parramatta weren't doing, and they were punished for them in the first half especially. And unfortunately now they're getting into a um, bit of a bit of a situation where I don't think they played too badly over the first eight rounds, but with only three wins and five losses, you really need to start cashing in sooner or later. Yeah. Uh, the Bulldogs and the Sharks, mate. Um, yeah. I mean, it was a it was a close game on the score. You know, it ended up tying in a bit, but you know, doesn't tell the story. Sharks were too good there. Yeah. Uh, the Knights, Cowboys, the Cowboys have got back on the board. We said that they've got to win these games at mm-hmm. up at uh, their new stadium, and they've got Holmes one. Had a top game, kicked well, got them over the line. Yeah. So I mean, the Knights, you know, they're still they're putting up a good fight, and they're I mean, there's. They, they should be commended on how they're turning up to play, especially with the amount of injuries they've got. Uh, the Seagulls beating the Tigers. I mean, that was the the score or the result is no surprise, but, I mean, the Tigers were well and truly in on that one. Look, if I didn't have Manly in my multi, I would have felt really bad for the Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> they are just having a, 
a terrible run at the moment, and the fans are the ones I really feel for. Yeah, uh, Manly got the chocolates in the end, but yeah, a game that probably could have gone to the Tigers. And tempers have apparently boiled over off the field as well. A bit of a scrap in the in the change room afterwards. A bit of bit of. Um, Bit of talk on the field, push and shove, but it has flowed over into the dressing shed. So there's Brendan Wakeham, and it may have been Olakawatu or maybe Oshay Ole. I, I I can't remember the other other gentleman involved in it, but yeah. Um, yeah. So was that a the bit spitting incident? There. I think so. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. So it it was uh, a bit of bit of talk on the field that that boiled over in the sheds, but nothing That's... like Pizzagate at Old Trafford back in uh, back in oh five. Oh, Pizzagate. Pizzagate. Yeah, that yeah. was a big one. Yeah, so uh, in the final game, obviously, uh, being the Warriors and the Storm uh, that we'll report on tomorrow, probably at, in the staff room first thing in the morning, mate. Yep. We'll... Sorry, listeners, you're going to miss out on that one, but that's where we do our best work, unfortunately. And uh, the Raiders, I mean, got the win again. Yeah, how good's that? And it's great that, you know, despite all the contract talks around Jack White and they're still tucking away wins in their back pocket against the buyer. 100%, 100%. Jack Whiten, you say, mate? Jack Whiten, mate. Got any news? As we are sitting here this evening, Jack Whiten, it has been reported, has signed with South Sydney. He will be a Rabbitoh in 2024. Well, I mean, that's big news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Where? What What are your thoughts on this one, mate? Like that? It doesn't make sense for me, but what are, what are your thoughts? Oh, well, it doesn't make sense for me from a salary cap point of view. I'm mm. not really sure how he fits into that team. I think back to their grand final team a couple of years ago and they let go of Adam Reynolds. They let go of um, um, Dane Gagai. Yep. And uh, they let go of a couple of other players, big name play, uh, players, Jaden Sewer, uh, to go to the Dragons because they had salary cap issues. Yeah. All they've done so far is it's players that they bought in have become better, and now they're signing a, a player that's worth $800,000. Yeah. The thing that I, I don't understand with it is I feel as though with the players that they've got, um, and I had a chat with the South fans about this, and if they're to offer White and the money that they're talking that, you know, it is less than what he has been offered elsewhere, but he wants to play with his mates... Yep. You know, being Latrell, being a good mate of his, and he wants to win a premiership. So the money they're talking about is is possibly unders, but still significant chunk of a salary cap. Him going up there, to me, that loads their back line. Mm. Absolutely loads it. There's just quality left and right in the back line. But what does that do to the forward pack? Are you then relying on Cody Walker to retire? And then Jack Whiten to see the final couple of years at six. Well, Cody's signed until the end of twenty twenty five, so yeah. he's, he's still there for another two seasons once Jack gets. So, there. so the concern for me, if I was a South fan, would be: Are you going to throw all the eggs in the basket for next season because you'll have everyone on board, yeah. and then after that, fingers crossed, you get your premiership because you're going to lose a whole forward pack. Yeah. You're basically your Tom Burgesses, you know, Kalal Matangi will probably come up for, I'm not sure when he's signed to, but he would be around looking for a pay bump, yep. you know, as, as 
one of their players. Um, yeah, yeah I mean, they've got some really, really good forwards, but you would think that the money would be drying up for those guys to be renewed. You'd have to think so, and someone like Campbell Graham as well, who's turned himself over the last two years into one of the best centres in the competition. The, the more rep jerseys he gets, his price is going to go up too, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously we we don't have their books, yeah. and we don't know if they have multiple books like other Sydney teams. Well, yeah. <laughs> That won't share a stadium with them, but um, yeah, I mean it's it's interesting. I yeah, I think from a, a squad perspective, Jack Whiten is best suited to the Raiders. Yeah, but I mean if South are gonna, this, it's a big it's a big risk for them. It's a big roll of the dice. But you you're know. a bit worried about um, the Raiders' future as well. If you're a Raiders fan, aren't you? Given Jack Whiten as apparently stated that he wants to win a premiership. Well, Jack's 30. He's probably got four years left in him and he doesn't see yeah. the Raiders being in that position in the next four years. And I suppose it's it's how competitive they are in the player market as well. Yep. And they obviously, you know, they might be more competitive if Jack doesn't re-sign. Yeah. So all it takes is them to go and recruit intelligently over two seasons. And, you know, Jack could be sitting at home on his couch watching the Raiders lift for premiership. Yeah. You know? Um, origin time, mate. We're getting to that time of the year where we start discussing origin teams. Now, I've put out a bit of a mission to you to put forward your predicted origin team. What do you got for us, mate? Yeah, so I've gone through both New South Wales and Queensland this year and, and lining up against each other on paper, it's going to be a very tight tussle. It is, yeah. I mean, it's not like... The years of past where there was just littered quality in maroon, and then New New South Wales just moaning over who's going to fill jerseys to try and pick the best players. So, yeah, that's right. I mean, two yeah. very good football teams. Two very good football teams. So, uh, in fullback, uh, I picked uh, Tedesco yep. at number one, and Ponga for Queensland. I know Reese Walsh has been playing really well for the Broncos, just absolutely killing it, but. Yep. I um, I just think after uh, the way Ponga played in Origin three last year, he's going to get the gig. Yeah, I mean he's he's done the job for them in the past. I mean it's obviously just whether his chin holds up. That's at right. At this that's point right. in time, but he's back playing now, so hopefully he does for his own health. Gets to spend a bit of time on the field. Yep. Uh, on the wings for New South Wales, I have Brian Toho from Penrith. Yep. And Tom Trevojevic. Turbo. From Manly. I've put him on the wing. I know he's had a lot of success in the centres for New South Wales, but I think he'll be equally effective on the wing. Yep. Uh, for Queensland on the wing, Dane Gagai. He just puts on that maroon jersey yeah, and he's, he's a different player. Just another level. be hard to leave him out of the team. And Corey Oates. Now, Corey Oates, when I wrote this team, Corey Oates was um, coming back off an injury. He's, he's recently um, torn his... PCL, I think it is. So he's yeah. going to be out for the better part of a month. But I still think the way he played last year, he could come back into that team and play quite it, well. It's interesting with Corey Oates, isn't it? Because like, he was, I think, a couple of seasons ago when Wayne Bennett was still at the Broncos, he wanted to play in the second row. Yep. And we had this conversation on the on the show last week where we talked about the value of wingers. Yep. And it's almost like in the last 12 to 18 months, he's just gone, oh, well, I'm not going to ever be a second rower because coaches don't seem to put me there. Yep. Even though I've voiced at the time when he was one of the leading wingers, this is where I want to go. 
and he seems to be knuckling down and focusing on being a really good winger and he's doing I mean he's doing a good job yeah he looks fantastic on the wing he's making those hard carries and I think he's going to earn more value um, or more money on the wing if he yeah. stays there and it's always really, really good for a player to be playing consistent good football rather than being in the pub after the game and having local fans heckle you for how good your game you played and you turn around and go, I didn't even play, I was in reserve grade. <laughs> but that's story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> My uh, centres, well, the first two centres um, picked themselves, Latrell Mitchell and Valentine Holmes. Stars, they're going to be there for sure as long as they're fit. And I hope they actually run up against one another because that could be a hell of a So who, who you got in the centres there for, for Queensland? Uh, I got Valentine Holmes one centre position and Latrell Mitchell in one centre position. Oh, yeah. So, sorry, yep. Going for both. And uh, in the other centre position, I've got uh, the Hammer. He's playing so well. His speed, you've just got to pick people who are dangerous. He played in the centres a few years ago for Queensland and yep. played really well. And I'd put him up against... I just had to find a spot for Campbell Graham from South Sydney. He's yeah. just been playing so well. I like the idea as well that if he was paired with Tom Trebojevic, they could perhaps swap as well if Tom wanted to go for a bit of a roam. Yep. Target in the air. Not that New South Wales seemed to use that last year, but he's a target in the air. So that was my back five. I think it's a... There's not much in those back five if all playing well. Mm. Injuries will play their role, but... Had to leave some very, very good players out. But that's where we're at at the moment for me. 5-8. Uh, uh, Cameron Munster picks himself for Queensland. Yeah. And and so does Cherry Evans at halfback for me, captain. And Cleary will be my halfback. Picks himself as well for New South Wales. And Nico Hines debuting. You're going for the Nico Hines, yeah. Okay, that's, always, that's the big question up in the air at the moment. Yeah, I've gone for Nico Hines debuting at number six. I think he's been playing really good football. I actually think he's probably more of a natural number six, and I don't think he's going to have any drama letting Cleary be the number one man, steer the team around, and him chiming in where he needs to be. Also, because he's there, adds a little bit of depth um, to the back line with my number 14 that I've got in the team because he can shift around to, to full back if he needs to. Oh, yeah. What are, what are your packs, mate? The engine room. So I'll go through um, uh, the props first. Got RCG and Jake Trevojevic. Uh, so I had RCG put in there the other day. I kept him in there because he hasn't been officially ruled out with a time frame as far as injury is concerned. Yeah. So I'll update, date, uh, I'll update that at a later stage. From that, that was a brutal hip drop. Yeah, brutal, brutal yeah, hip drop. Yeah. Another one. And um, absolute um, shocker. Um, and then I've got Papa Leahy uh, from Canberra and Christian Welsh from Melbourne who will yep. be in the front row. Damien Cook and Ben Hunt in the hooking role. Yeah, so a, sort of nine. looking at the form line with Cook there, are you? Yeah, I just think, I know Appy was on everyone's, I suppose, pick at the beginning of the year, but I just think the way CS Sydney been going, the way Cook's mm. been going... Uh, he was never dropped last year. He played in all the games. Yeah. So I would have to go with him. Um, and Ben Hunt. People probably find that a little bit funny. They think, how can you not have Harry Grant there? I just think that's what Queensland are going to do. I think Harry Grant coming off the bench has had a huge yep. impact. They let Ben Hunt, who has been a star for Queensland in recent times. I think he's been borrowing 
uh, Dane Gagai's underwear. So, look, so looking at Harry Grant as the impact player. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Um, my back row, debutante for New South Wales in Hudson Young from Canberra. Yeah. Got a bit of the rubbish out of his game over the last few years and has been playing very, very Form well. Form player. Yep, very, very well. Um, and I've got Liam Martin from Penrith, another player who I might have to remove with injuries. He's been dogged by a hamstring injury, but mm. if he's fit, he's in my team. I love the one percent as he brings. Yep. Um, he's just a star for me, and I've got Cameron Murray at lock. Yep. Uh, for the Maroons, I've got Jeremiah Nanai from the Cowboys, Tom Gilbert from yep. the Dolphins, who I know is playing lock but played a fair bit on the edge last year for the Cowboys, and Big Tino from the Titans, who's absolutely killing it. Number 14 are my impact players. I've got Grant, as I said a little bit earlier, yep. as well as Burton. Matt Burton. Matt Burton. From so reason for Burton, flexibility. <laughs> Flexibility. I like picking a utility that has flexibility. I don't particularly like picking one that just plays hooker or something like yeah. that. Burton can come in and play 5'8", which means Nico Hines can shift to fullback. Burton can go in and play centres. Yeah. Did he win centre of the year a couple of years yeah, ago? Yeah, he was centre of the year when he won the premiership. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's why I'd pick Burton. And I, I think also, if worst case scenario, you could just chuck him on in the middle for yeah. 15, 20 minutes and say, mate, the only issue from Matt Burton's perspective is if you need him to fight, he has demonstrated that he cannot fight. Not a fighter. No, and Dane Gagai wasn't much better. The way those two boys threw handbags at each other last year <laughs> was an absolute disgrace and they own an apology to everybody who has ever watched State of Origin before. Yeah. Moving on. Who we got? <laughs> um, then the bench, the 15, 16 and 17, starting with New South Wales, Payne Haas. Absolutely killing it up there. He will be yeah. right up there with the Dallyams for my money at the end of the year. Junior Palo has been very, very good for Parramatta and has been a basic regular for Freddie's yeah. team for the last three or four years now at least. So I think he's going to be there. And then Penrith's Azayo for um, the 17 spot. think him and Murray can work really well together interchanging. Yeah, I think he could probably still, even though he hasn't been there, slot in on the edge if he had to be as well. Yeah, he's um, got that flexibility. And uh, so can Murray. So, and besides anything else, Yo's just got to be there for my money. So, and then uh, Ruben Cotter. Yep. David Fafita, and Pat Carrigan. Yeah, it's a pretty strong bench from the Maroons there. And from the Maroons' point of view, Cotter and Carrigan's lo- uh, foots. Leg speed absolutely killed New mm. South Wales last year, so I don't think they will start them, even though they're playing very, very well. I think they'll keep them on the bench. It's like the old school uh, Corey Parker. How his offloads just used to just carve New South Wales up. It was late offloads yeah. back into the line, just keep going, and then all of a sudden it'll pop out. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Origin. So there's going to be it's going to be loaded with talk over the next couple of weeks. I'll come in with my. To our predicted origin teams next week. I mean, I do get the the benefit of an extra week of form and what not to use. And uh, yeah, we'll keep the chat open. If you guys have got your origin picks that you want to forward through to us via DM on the Instagram at Sports Detention, you can get us on Twitter as well or Facebook. Give us some feedback. On Give the us teams some feedback. You drop drop your teams in the list in the comments, and and we'll go from there. Keep it keep the uh, communication lines open. So looking at next round, mate. Match of the round, 
Uh, for me, I'm really looking forward to seeing the Sharks play the Cows. So the Sharks-Cowboys, that's the Thursday night game? Thursday night game. Yeah. Last year, um, they met in the semifinals down at Shark Park, and it was a high-scoring match, yeah. uh, but a cracking match. So I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how both teams go. Their form hasn't been what it was last year, particularly for the Cows, but the Sharks have been a bit up and down as well. Um, thinking back to maybe that game they dropped to the Warriors after being up 20 points a few weeks ago. Yeah. So, but I think this is going to be a really good match. Should get a big crowd down there again. They should pack it out. And I think that's going to be the match of the round. Yeah. So we've got the Eels versus the Knights and Broncos Rabbits on the Friday. Raiders Dolphins, Seagulls Titans, Panthers Tigers, Warriors Roosters, Dragons Bulldogs, and Storm have the dreaded bye. They should get over the line. Yeah. I mean, they've. they've shit that one in mate the buyer's not going to trouble the storm uh, my match of the round mate I can't go past the Broncos and the Rabbits um, you know Brisbane top of the table at the moment and South Sydney they're on the back of the big win over the Panthers so I'm looking at that as being a big game uh, Friday night the late game it should be a cracker and we'll see something about the Broncos this week because while you can't knock their form and how well they've been playing They've been fortunate so far, relatively, as far as injuries concerned. Yeah. And this week they've copped a couple of injuries and they've copped a couple of suspensions as well. So. And I, I think the gig's up with the Broncos now. Everybody has seen consistently over the first eight weeks of the competition that they're a quality football side. Yeah. You know, things are starting to click at Brisbane. You if you're know. waiting for them to fade out, you're going to be. I don't think you're going to be waiting a while this year. Yeah, so... Good, good things happening at Red Hill. Um, mate, that's it for the footy. So looking forward to another another week on the couch, enjoying the, the fruits of the NRL. So stream of the week. What do we have for this week, mate? Stream of the week? Stream of the week. We looked at American Manhunt, the Boston Marathon bombings. Yeah. So Deep, deep breath on this one. Oh, well, three-part uh, doco. Uh, very interesting obviously about the 2013 uh, Boston Marathon bombings. Obviously, again, very sad events uh, where two brothers set off two homemade bombs near the finish line of the marathon. Uh, Tragically, four people lost their lives and they went into a little bit of detail about that. Scary in a lot of ways because um, as the documentary sort of highlighted, how do you sort of um, defend against that? that yeah. sort of domestic terrorism. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It's um, it's, it's not like, yeah, there was no real way they could see that coming, um, and it was interesting to see how the FBI tracked the perpetrators down and eventually caught up with them. The thing I liked about it though is it reminded me a lot about the events that happened. Obviously, everyone remembers the bombing. But I'd forgotten about the aftermath of the bombing, which included um, a security guard also getting shot and losing his life on a routine patrol yeah. at MIT, one of the most prestigious um, colleges in the world. And as um, you know, you'd think you're pretty safe there, a very good neighbourhood. Mm. And um, then a young driver being taken at gunpoint and, and, and carjacked. And then a quiet Boston suburban street being turned into something out of a Hollywood film war zone. Yeah, it was it was pretty um, yeah it was pretty intense. I, I felt as though, you know, although there was areas of the doco that I didn't like, 
um, or I disagreed with. I wouldn't say I didn't like. I liked it from the perspective that it looked like it was there was open dialogue from both sides. But the way they sort of described the use of, you know, force from the police in terms of shooting up neighbourhoods and the like, and I'm just like, oh man, like come on, they're you know chasing two domestic terrorists who you know have had bombs in their bags and are throwing bombs at the police like yeah. you know but the way they sort of looked at it was oh did they really have to shoot up the neighborhoods and put you know the public at risk which is you know it's a you, you can ask that question but yeah i think from that perspective i really liked how the documentary sort of tried to open up different yeah avenues and and pathways of thinking around um you know how they managed the situation it was it was crazy like you know the fellas the fact that they were migrants Oh, you know, from Chechnya, um, it's yeah, it's crazy. It's it really does make you open your eyes. And they they spoke a lot of the time about the American dream and the concept of the American dream. And we often, you know, as we are very very lucky to live in countries that are safe and secure, and we sort of at times we can become a bit sort of oh well we just do things our way and that's the way it is but you know it really for the moment there you can at least think of the struggle that people who migrate to certain countries to escape war-torn situations or you know any sort of persecution you know they're not just going to go straight into your country and go this is this is great you know often you know, I remember listening to a podcast on with Francis Ngannou when he escaped Cameroon and got to Paris. And when he got to Paris, if you if you get a chance, you know, the Joe Rogan podcast with Francis Ngannou where he talks about going through the Sahara Desert, you know, and making his way to Europe. And then when he got to Europe, he got to Paris and he got through the Red Cross, got him across the border. He went, I was better off in Cameroon. Yeah, wow. You know, the, then, you know, the situation I found myself in Paris. I found myself in a situation where I'm in this, these deprived neighbourhoods in the outskirts of Paris where there is crime, there is, you know, hopelessness around me. I just bloody left that in Cameroon. I've come yeah. for the for the dream. Yeah. Like, yeah. So sometimes we, we do overlook that. And I think as a as an idea it's a, obviously a massive opportunity for people who do migrate and find themselves in other countries but there's a there's still a lot to to be learned from you know them being able to flourish in the the country that they end up in yeah but uh yeah a really really interesting story i think um you know obviously the the religious component about it was was quite they go into that obviously the, around um fundamental fundamental islamic ideologies and how that contributed to the decision making of the of the bombers and you know it's yeah it's a lot of what was discussed in that documentary man that's that's stuff that we're still battling with every single day as a segregated society like Mm. it's it's fascinating what'd you rate it mate oh i gave it an eight out of ten yeah Yeah, it was good i found it really interesting i um yeah I got a I got a seven eight. Seven eight. Seven eight. And I but however I would like to watch it again. I watch it during the day and I you know, I was knocking around with the kids as well a bit, so I'd like to watch it again and it's one of those ones that I would give another look at yep. to try and just sink my teeth right into it. Um, yeah, so it's a seven eight at the moment, but you know, the fact that I would watch it again and I would be happy to sit down 
yeah, it's a cracker. So if you haven't seen it, American Manhunt, the Boston Marathon bombing, um, yeah, go and check it out. It's it's a cracking doco on on Netflix. And uh, yeah, if you want to swing us through a message, let us know what you think. Uh, yeah, we'd love to hear your reviews. All right, Gregor. So let's move on to the Premier League. Bit of football chat. Bit of football chat. So, um, match of the round. Who'd you have, mate? Match of the round, mate. I couldn't go past Arsenal-Southampton, mate. There was a couple of really good matches, obviously. um, Yeah, there was a a split there with the FA Cup ties going on, but cracking match. I mean, we talked about the pressure that Arsenal have been under, um, you know, but the fact that they were 3-1 down... And Southampton started off like a house on fire. You know, I, I thought, oh, the worst case scenario here for Arsenal. I thought they were, they were cooked. But, um, you know, they ended up scrapping back. Uh, Odegaard got a, got a cracking goal to bring him within one. And then Saka tied it. And Arsenal just absolutely threw the kitchen sink at the Saints to finish it off. And, you know, they looked likely. They looked like they possibly could could get the winner but they were unable to get the final goal it's more drop points you yep. know it is two more drop points for the gunners so they're five clear now but city have two games in hand four clear with two games possibly i've got the table here mate uh yeah sorry yeah you're right five clear with two games so the next match is the Etihad showdown with city um city were out of action in the fa cup on the weekend but uh yeah, man. I mean, it's gonna it's gonna come down to so that's down a to the big wire. game. Yeah, I I mean, you could almost suggest and be comfortable in suggesting that whoever wins that's going to win the title. If it's a draw, it's probably likely going to go to City as well. Arsenal have got to win it. Arsenal have got to win. I it. think so. Um, your match of the round, mate. Who you got? Oh, mate, I went for something a bit different. Obviously, the Arsenal Southampton game was a. Um, was a cracker for different reasons, but I went the Brentford Villa one. Uh, picked this match because nice close contest, uh, and I just couldn't bring myself to pick a Liverpool game. Yeah. Uh, oh, would have been that would have been match of the round if Forrest got up. <laughs> uh, tight contest in the first half with both teams having their opportunities. Uh, uh, goalkeepers certainly earned their money in the first half. Mm. Uh, Brentford scored uh, first in the second half. Uh, with a nice cross uh, that got behind Villa and was put away by Ivan Tony, uh, Looked for much of the game like um, that would be enough to get the three points, but uh, Villa scored in the 88th minute to ensure the points were shared. Uh, plenty of opportunities, uh, just close but no cigar on a lot of them. Mm. So from Brentford's perspective, I think that's a big point because there was a three-match skid they were on. Yep. So that sort of halts that skid, which is good for them. Villa are still, they're still cruising. Yeah. You know, they I mean, they're now just two points behind Spurs in fifth um, and both played the same amount of matches after Tottenham's result as well. So Villa, I mean, there is a bit of a gap there now, a six-point gap between Spurs and United in four. So those Champions League places are still a bit... Yep. Um, 
sort of up in the air. But, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised to see Villa finish above Spurs at least this year, which would be into the Europa, which yeah. gives them European football next year. When you think about old Stevie G walking out on out of the dugout earlier in the season, you wouldn't have dreamed of that as a Villa fan. No, definitely not. Um, other results, mate. So we had Fulham 2, Leeds 1. Uh, nil or draw between your Toffees, mate, and Palace. Um, yeah. I didn't catch the match, but I watched the highlights. And the highlights probably went for about half the usual time that highlights go for. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think anybody was overly keen to watch that one back. But, I mean, it's a point nonetheless for, for the Toffees. A in... point, an important point, but got to get a win soon or... It's relegation city. Yeah, so so level with Leicester on twenty eight points. However, sitting in the in the um, bottom three, the relegation due to goal difference and a pretty significant goal difference there, nine goals different. Um, but it's still quite close. Bournemouth's got a bit of breathing space there, but Leeds, Leicester, and Everton they're they're all in there nice and tight, and Forest aren't out of it either. I think Southampton. We could still safely say that they're probably going down. But, um, yeah, I mean, that would have been a massive result had they have got three points against Arsenal. Oh. Uh, so, also, too, we had, uh, as we mentioned before, Liverpool 3, Forest 2. West Ham picked up a massive win over Bournemouth, 4-0. And the big one, mate. Oh. Newcastle 6, Spurs 1. What an absolute debacle that club is. Tottenham what is Spurs. going on? Oh mate, it's an interim interim manager. So interim manager, yeah. who I I mean, Stellini, you you wouldn't be surprised if you just went. You know what? I'm I'm done. You know I I'll just walk away. Like I, there's he's not getting a tune out of the players. You you would think if there was any sort of bounce, it would have come already, and it hasn't. So I mean, as an interim manager, you're probably like, I mean, as a Man United fan. And I look back to this time last year where we had Ralph Ragnick there. The football was diabolical. The club was in crisis. But at least Ralph sat there at press conferences and goes, oh, yeah, the football is crap because this club has got, is a boat with holes in it and it's leaking and you need to fix it. He was eventually shipped off, but at least he was able to verbalise the problems with the club and then they went and they appear so far this year with the results to look like they're on track to fixing it by bringing Ten Hag in and actually playing good football and looking like they've got an idea of what they're doing as a football club. You know, so it's basically, if you're not going to be there in Stellini's perspective and go, you know what, this is what's wrong with the club, hammer Daniel Levy, Conte sort of dilly-dallied around it and tried it and then just go, and I'm out. And maybe you can start to grow from that. But, yeah, I don't, I don't know whether that's going to happen. So, uh, mate, that's the Premier League. There's a couple of midweek games this week. Wolves, Palace, Villa, Fulham and Leeds and Leicester. So some, some really important points on offer there. But we can't go past the FA Cup wrap, mate. I got me United strip on tonight. Yeah, um, mate. Yeah, it was just actually just something I wanted to wear on a day off but it turns out that I would also be celebrating an FA Cup final appearance for the boys nil all against Brighton a very very good Brighton football team 7-6 on penalties to United um, City were you know handsome winners over Sheffield United which was expected 3-0 it's a Manchester Derby in the FA Cup final and regardless of how we've got there 
I'm very, very happy with that. Oh, that's <laughs> I would a... much rather be in a final than watching it at home and the potential of Man City winning a treble as they're on you know, course for at the moment would be an absolute nightmare for me. Yeah, very. I'd imagine you're very happy, mate. It's um, a long, a lot. You must be happy compared to where you were this time last year. Oh, this time last year, mate. I was. Um, people were keeping sharp objects away from me. Well, lucky <laughs> the Panthers were holding you together. <laughs> yes, well, but um, you know, and City, you know, they they're hot form. They're coming home with a wet sail. But I mean, as a United fan, we, you know, if we want to protect that that glorious achievement in. 99 we can do it in the final so that that gives us a good opportunity as a, as a team um final little bit of news mate out of the european football leagues Ju- juventus have had their points returned on appeal points returned so are you all over this story are you mate no, so no, not all financial irre- irregularities had juventus they had 15 points deducted and at the end of last season or in the summer of just the whole board basically walked away, including former legend Pavel Nedved, who had been there for forever. So it's starting to become very, very apparent. I mean, Juventus and um, Scandals is, is obviously they go together like peanut butter and jelly for a, for a seppo. Um, it appears as though the board has done the old, let's get out of here because then at least we won't be there when they hand down the punishment. Yeah. You know that old trick where, you know, if we've gone, then the, the people who are in charge and getting the punishment can just say, oh, no, that was the old board. Yeah. You know, it was similar when Fitzgerald left Para when they had the, <laughs> when they were cooking the two books. You know, it's like if we get out of the way, then they might go nice on us in terms of the punishment. But um, at the moment, on appeal, it has been temporarily returned until a final judgment um, can be made on that. Now... There's a statement um, made by Jose Mourinho in terms of the uncertainty around it. Now, Jose Mourinho is someone who, who's happy to speak his mind. Um, and this is when he's going through his match report, speaking with DAZN. He said... Um, he was asked about Roma's strong position in Syria, and he said, are we third in the standings, question mark? Are we sure that Juve don't have 59 points? We are in Italy, of course. <laughs> so, Jose with the sly jab that Ju- Juve basically will get away with murder in, in Italy and until I see their, the points missing and it put in writing from the courts and arbitration of sport, I'm not going to believe it. So, Jose with another cheeky swing there. But, uh, yeah, so that'll be a watch this space. And, you know, obviously with those extra points, that's going to impact Champions League for, for the Italian sides as well. But, yeah, something that we'd thought we'd touch on. Mm. Rightio, well, mate. The Integrity Report. Should we do the Integrity Report? Let's do the Integrity Report. Integrity. This is Democracy Manifest. What do we got for integrity today, Potty? You've taken the charge with this one. Grabbed it by the ear. We're talking about cheating here, mate. Cheating? Cheating. Old-fashioned cheating. We're not talking about that old show that they had on, like, the A&E channel or some one of those 
Foxtel shows where the fella used to go around finding people cheating. Oh, Cheaters with Joey cheaters. Greco. Oh. <coughs> we go we're going deeper. Than that. Oh, how could there possibly be? Well, there's been reports of an ultra marathon runner who has been disqualified. Scottish runner won't come third in an ultra marathon. I'm talking eighty kilometers. Yep. Well done. Great job. Oh hang on. You've driven four kilometers of it. She's hopped in a car and gone for a drive. That can't happen in 2023, Potty. Come on. Well, you would Certainly. have to There's got to be more to this. What's happened? So apparently she's taken the car for four kilometres. She was recorded covering one mile in 100 seconds. I mean, had the best of so times. So they've had the Strava on her, and she's come in at a hot pace. Yeah. At the best of times, I'd find that Usain Bolt at peak fitness would be missing the mark on that one. But she, 40 kilometres deep... Plus, has found the strength to do it. Look, I'll, I'll put myself in, into, in the fire here for a second. And I'll say that although not competing at the time, some of the greatest splits that I have ever gotten on my smartwatch have been when I forgot to turn the run off and I've gotten in the car and started driving home. <laughs> so I, I'm, my watch is just going off buzzing all these records new new split record and all that i'm like oh crumbs i better stop that so i mean it can be done was it an accident or was this blatant cheating this is blatant cheating mate look i just don't get it i'm competitive i like to win but to win at any cost doesn't it just take out the lust i mean wouldn't you be standing up there on that podium going oh yeah i you know i didn't really win this medal so looking at the statement that's out on Fox Sports in relation to this, because I've just brought it up, Dr. Zakuski, a doctor as well. Doc. I mean, how could you trust a doctor who's going to jump in an Uber halfway through an ultramarathon? <laughs> I mean, you know, are you going to trust them giving you a prostate check? Are you going to trust them... Replacing a heartbeat. Oh, imagine that. Oh, hang on. Got to get home. Yeah, got to get home. Let's this up. Yeah, look, I'll get back to this tomorrow. I've given you the 50,000 service. I'll give you the 120 tomorrow. Yeah, oh, mate, it's... So, yeah, you'd think in today's day that that's just bizarre, mate, but it's not the first that's occurred. It hasn't. My question is, though, what would David Goggins say? Oh, mate. He'd be filthy. David Goggins, I mean, he would be cancelled for speaking to a female doctor the way that he would respond to that, I would suspect. <laughs> I'd ha he'd have some choice words. I'd be happy to hear it. But not the first instance, you say, of this sort of behaviour. Not the first instance. Rosie Ruiz, was, uh, she was caught cheating in a marathon previously in the Boston Marathon. So going back, you know, a bit of a flavour for today, the Boston Marath Marathon. Caught the train, uh, in, caught in the 1980... Um, so she recorded the fastest time, the third fastest female time ever recorded. However, there are suspicions from the beginning that she may not be able to recall her splits in line with it. Now, the problem straight away that I'd have is that she's from Cuba. I don't know how many Cubans are winning marathons. I mean, I'm just going to throw it out there. Generally, it's... You know, it's unlikely. However, she was eventually um, DQ'd because they found out that she did not 
run the whole race okay she was disqualified because she had just jumped in and she'd only she missed a large chunk of the race I, th- I think she actually jumped in about half a mile from the end yes which um quite which honestly, is that, that which is a long part of it which is quite honestly wouldn't have been enough for me to win but um <laughs> you know. so right. maybe she deserves some credit for that but yeah, so she, I, I, no, I've got it mixed up with one of the other guys here who has jumped in at halfway oh, and yep. missed, missed a point. But yeah, she jumped in at a, at a, within a, with a mile to go. Okay, um, talking about the bus rider, mate. You mentioned the bus rider. So Rob Sloan finished in third place right. in the 2011 Kielder Marathon in Northumberland. Um, so allegations came to light. This is uh, from the Daily Star that uh, Sloan had failed uh, to attend the me- the medal ceremony with witnesses coming forward to see him say that they saw him riding on a bus on the way. He initially decide, uh, denied the claims, but um, you know, Cram he came to came clean to uh, Olympian Steve Cram who had organised the race. He said, "Look, people do this in all marathons, so." They just don't come in the top three. So that was his excuse <laughs> for it. So Sloan was later so banned. He was yeah, he was later banned. Um yep, yeah, so he was uh he had that uh that third place taken off him. Uh and another one, mate. I've got one more for you. Give a married me. couple caught out. So apparently a married couple had were caught out cheating in a race, but it was actually the Monica Zanecker and her husband Piotr. Monica had run the race and Piotr had just printed out a false bib so he could run with her and provide support. Right. I mean, that was a bit bizarre when I was reading that one. I'm going, oh, is that really cheating? So, to, to provide like... A bit of moral. A bit of moral support. Yeah, so ran with her. So, obviously, to help push her through it and keep her going and motivating her. I suppose that's a, f- a form of cheating. You but know? if he paid for his entry and used I mean, his own number... Yeah, what's yeah. the difference? So, But I I'd obviously would suggest that the starting times would have been different being a male and a female race. So he would have had to catch yeah. up, so to speak. Yeah, so the best way that they could do it was the fact that he put a false number on and joined in. Um, yeah, so, so that's some examples from the marathon. Um, but it does make you wonder why people take competition so seriously into the extremes and when it comes to deviance in sport. You know, and an example that I found throughout my research was in a 1997 Sports Illustrated article by Michael Bamberger. The attitudes of athletes comes to the floor. Now, in a scenario that was given to athletes, this was... In 1995, a poll of U.S. Olympians and aspiring Olympians were asked the following questions. Scenario one, you were offered a banned performance-enhancing substance with two guarantees. One, you will not get caught, and two, you will win. Would you take the substance? 195 said yes, three said no. Mm, yeah, wow, that is... Which makes you think of the, the mindset of athletes and that, and that absolute drive to win. Scenario two. 
You were offered a banned performance enhancing substance with two guarantees. One, you will not be caught. And two, you will win every competition you enter for the next five years and then you will die from the side effects of the substance. Would you take the substance? Still, more than half of the athletes said yes. Wow, that is incredible. Which is unreal. When you think about what is driving athletes to engage in deviance, you know, it's obviously the will to win is is overwhelming in those circumstances. It's very interesting because I, I put the question forward before, what are, what are you thinking? Because you, you know, you've cheated and you'll know that you've cheated. But these people are saying, oh, I'm happy to die. It like, doesn't this, matter. I'm, this is everything. If I don't get caught, it's okay. Yeah. Regardless. Yeah. Wow. So it's a different mindset. But had me thinking, Potty, what are the best sporting scandals that you know of, mate? Oh, well. Where people have demonstrated deviance to win. Now, we we need to focus in on the deviance to win, okay, because it needs to be athletic, because otherwise we're going to be talking about orgies and all sorts of well, stuff that yep. these NFL Understood. players have been doing over in the States. So we don't want to get into that. We're talking about purely to win. What a, what scandals have you got for us today, mate? Oh, we'll start with Tonya Harding and uh, taking out old oh, Nancy yes. Carrigan. Hence, hence the suggestion of the Tonya Harding studio. What was it? A an iron, an iron pipe to the knee. That was the baseball bat. The baseball yeah, bat. Yeah, the old, the old fashioned baseball bat. Yeah. Yeah, swing. Yeah. So poor Denied old for many years. Yeah, poor old Nancy Kerrigan. Um, Tonya Harding obviously after that embarked in a in a boxing career yep um, which wasn't so fruitful but yeah she was obviously a very very troubled troubled young woman from the pacific north northwest tonya harding um still one of the greatest pieces of sporting memorabilia which sits on my desk at work is the uh, signed tonya harding photo that i picked up for ten dollars on ebay so um yeah tonya harding has always got a soft spot in my heart potty of course of course um, Melbourne Storm and uh, Cooking the Books or the Two Books. Oh, yes, the tale of two books. Uh, the salary caps scandal of um, uh, 2006, 7, 8 and 9, I believe. Yep. And uh, where they had one book which they showed the NRL and the other book which they uh, just kept um, the kept the ledger for the rest yeah, of the and it was so, and voting. Yeah, it was so crazy. Like These poor players were just like, they'd be at home and they'd end up with a boat in their carport. And oh. it was just, uh, you know, the fact that they were they doing such know. things like that to the players. And, you know, I mean, it was awful the way they treated those, those young athletes at that time. And, you know, as a Parramatta fan, losing that 2009 grand final to the Cheats, I look at the Storm and say, you Muppets... Do if you're going to cheat, do it with dignity, like Parramatta, and win yourself two wooden spoons. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is true. Boxing, mate. I've got one for you. The 2016 Rio Olympic scandal. Do you know much about this one? So I haven't heard much about this one. I do remember at the time there was something. Yeah. So so the big one was Mickey Conlon. So Mickey Conlon or Michael Conlon. He was a, an Irish boxer, absolute raging red hot favourite. Um, to win the gold at Rio. And then the idea was he was going to win the gold. That was his dream. And then he was off for his pro career. And he got ripped off in the quarterfinals by lost a points decision to a Russian. And the Russian judge 
was the one that was under investigation and it turns out that eventually years down the track the the deck of cards has absolutely collapsed and everyone in amateur boxing the ABA has just resigned and they were all on the take and it was just an absolute shit show so it almost brought amateur boxing to its knees you know I mean amateur boxing has a different point system or a very a very difficult point system to score with at the highest levels at times you know and you look at it you know it's not not the first time people have been robbed in amateur boxing Floyd Mayweather has I mean before as a pro boxer he lost in the Atlanta gold medal match he came second but he clearly won the fight and it's just it's absolutely stunk from the top to the bottom amateur boxing for many years but it eventually fell on its knees after the Rio Olympics and and all that uh, was released and I mean they, they've been picking up the pieces ever since with a lot of athletes now just going you know what I've stuffed that I'm not going to go the amateur route it doesn't you know Olympic gold doesn't mean as much to me as you know earning the big dollars in pro boxing so yeah that's well, it certainly if they feel like they could be the best boxer and not get the gold anyway yeah if, if you're going to have it stripped from you mates what else have we got mate the dirtiest race in history the 1988 um, 100 meter final uh, Ben Johnson oh Benny Johnson so I mean he he had striations in his eyeball, he eyeballs that day but I think seven of the eight races yeah. at some stage in their career tested positive to performance enhancing drugs so yeah. it was um, yeah you know I, 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 Benny Johnson as you said I think he was um, might have been um it was about as clean as a hoarder's carpet. Mate. <laughs> it was. It really was, yeah. Um, and then we've got Lance Armstrong, obviously. Oh, Lance Armstrong. That was that was a big one, mate. I mean, he was probably, yeah. I mean, that's another one where you're looking at it and you're going, well, everyone was on it. Yeah, and yeah, everyone was, was crazy. on it. But, but Lance Armstrong actually ruined people who came after him about yeah, it. Yeah, I think if I, if I look at that story... That is the the part of it where I, I can't vibe with, where I go, no, no, that's what you should be thrown, you know, hit with the, you know, the full force for is the way that you treated people, not the fact that you cheated in the sport that everybody was cheating doing. It's the way you treated everybody else around you. I saw his doco uh, not that long ago and I found that a really interesting watch because I was going into it, I was expecting him to tell his story and be quite you know, um, I guess sorry for his actions, but he was just, oh, no, this no. is this is what happened. and Not sorry at all. Yeah, not sorry at all. Yeah. But, um, yeah, did you have any others, mate? Mate, underarm bowling, mate, the Chappellis. Oh. Mate, the underarm bowling, um, you know, just to try and eke out the win and not give him the opportunity, uh, I mean, that's forever tarnished. Uh, our relationship with our, our brothers across the Dutch. Um, also, too, mate, one that can't go awry is the darkest day in Australian sports. Mm. You know, the supplement scandal. Mm. Now, this one absolutely pisses me off. And the reason why it absolutely pisses me off is was because the darkest day in Australian sports, for me, will never be about unraveling this supplement scandal which infiltrated both the NRL and the AFL. The darkest day in Australian sports for me just shows me how pathetic 
our government was at that stage under Julia Gillard. The fact that they had no evidence and they had absolutely done zero due process in the fact of investigating that thing before bringing everybody into the Sports Commission and laying it out like they were going to kill Australian sports is the biggest joke that has ever been portrayed on the Australian public. All because they were doing shit in their ability to run a country and they needed to take the eyes off them as a pathetic government. It was an absolute, utter disgrace. And that it's still to this day, as you can tell, grinds my gears, the fact that they couldn't get the investigation in order before releasing it and saying, this is what we found. And the fallout of that was so ugly for both the NRL, both the AFL, and for sport in general. The Stephen Dank garbage, players having to admit that they did things so they could cover up Asada's inability to actually give out penalties and it was just an absolute nightmare and it all falls on one person's lap and that is the government at the time who tried to use it to score political points to get the front pages off how useless they were it was an absolute joke another scandal mate the Bulco scandal. The Bay, scandal. Bay Area Laberty, uh, Laberties Cooperative. So we're talking about Victor Conte, the Major League Baseball, Marion Jones. That was, I mean, that was Shane a debacle. Think might have been Maybe, yeah. Oh, I mean, there would have been a, a large amount of athletes that were yeah. um, run with Victor Conte. I mean, Victor Conte, I mean, he just squealed <laughs> straight away. He, he gave all <laughs> the information. Um you know, and he, he Didn't obviously have to get out the waterboarding. He just no, <laughs> yeah, and he basically uh, ever since has has tried to stand on moral high ground and point out people or give give the insight. But it's like, ah, oh, mate, once a cheat, always a cheat. But mate, some of these sporting scandals um, demonstrating deviance to win, we're dancing around it here, mate. These aren't the big issues. These aren't the biggest events. So you're you're telling me that you've got something that is bigger. Of course, it's the then, biggest one. Bigger in than history. the Spanish basketball team who won the 2000 Paralympics and then found out that they didn't have disabilities. Oh, bigger than the biggest one of all, mate. Diego Maradona, the greatest of all time, using the hand of God oh. to punch the ball into the back of the net. What have you got for me, mate? Irv Blitzer. The US bobsledding legend who put weights in the front of his sled and ordered two gold medals. We're stripped of those gold medals. I will say, though, he did redeem himself by going on to coach the Jamaican bobsled team. Mate, that's, yeah, look, I'm I'm taken back by that suggestion. Mate, you, you, I mean, you couldn't have more than that, though, could you? Oh, well, I do, actually. I do. What do you got? Ric Flair. <laughs> the dirtiest Rick player in the Flair. game. 16 yes. time world champion. Never mind that he won 14 of those by hitting an opponent in the head with a steel chair or the good old fashioned low blow. Oh, mate, you wake at me. I mean, other than trying to keep those alligators down, <laughs> Ric Flair. Woo. I mean, you won't get me. Cause the low blow in wrestling, I mean,. Gold dust. Gold dust shattered dreams, (laughs) I mean, was the greatest move. He he would get disqualified every time for doing it. However, in 
the world of entertainment, sports entertainment, as wrestling calls itself, Gold Dust Shattered Dreams, get it on YouTube, check it out, where he would stick their legs over the turnbuckle, take three strides in, and kick them in the testicles. It was the greatest finishing move of all time. Nobody's kicking out of that. No, no. He he would take the DQ every single time, but look, if I had a campaign, I'd say, bring back Gold Dust, bring back Shattered Dreams. The low blow should be all good in the wrestling. So now I've hit the big hitting stuff, mate. Surely, surely you can't top that. Oh look, it's gonna that's gonna be tough to top. Irv Blitzer especially, but I mean Hollywood, and we talk about Hollywood as a great storyteller. I mean, one of the biggest scandals that Hollywood has portrayed would be bringing us Rudy. Rudy, because I would argue that Rudy was the beginning of the PC. Everyone gets a trophy movement. Wow. Let's go to Rudy. You know, and look at, you know, we can go past the whole idea of the story of Rudy. You know, he was obviously a young man with dyslexia and then he made his way into the Notre Dame football team and, you know, all the players took off their jerseys and said, look, Rudy's got to play. He's got to play a snap. Rudy was 5'6", five, 5'6". Six, five six. He weighed 75 kilos. The average defensive end, he played defensive end. The average defensive end in the NFL is 6'4 and 123 kilos. In the Fed Income Department, Rudy was not good enough to play college football at Notre Dame. <laughs> Rudy shouldn't have even been packing their lunches or scrubbing their boots. Okay? And the biggest achievement that Rudy has got in real life is getting arrested for securities fraud. <laughs> Hollywood has a sold on this story of Rudy being way better than what he is. He's lived a life on free buffet dinners on the fact that he was Rudy and he got the sack for Notre Dame that is what Hollywood has done to us the second one would be the Iceland junior hockey team the biggest cheating scandal that I can think back to would be the Iceland team trying to decapitate Team USA's gun forward Adam Banks Trying to take his arm off. Imagine going to that level. Going after Adam Banks, who was the gun for Team USA Hockey, and just trying to hammer his arm off in the game was the biggest dog act that I've ever seen in sports. It makes Tony Harding look like an amateur. It does. Now, when I was researching these ones, Potty, I went. I got a hold of this blog that talked about Mighty Ducks, and it was absolutely disturbing the amount of detail that this gentleman had gone into it. The fact that Iceland were used in that movie to try and avoid going into Russia and going in as the the Iron Curtain had just folded. So they didn't want to go and open up any wounds on that one like they'd done with Ivan Drago in the past. (laughs) So basically, he's gone into a... So Iceland, they don't play hockey in Iceland. There's two ice, ice skating rinks in the whole country. And Iceland has led a whole heap of young, especially Australians, who are now in their middle ages, to think that Iceland were pretty decent at hockey. (laughs) Trinidad and Tobago got a start playing in those hyper-colour-looking fluoro jerseys. Mate, it was, you know, there's a lot to ask, answer for the uh, Hollywood on the old Mighty Ducks train, that one. That's for sure. But biggest uh, scandal in sport, 
I'm going to have to go with Adam Banks. Adam Banks. Well, you certainly give me something to think about there. <laughs> Rightio, mate. Oh, uh, let's move on. We'll, we'll cover some, uh, some different sports around the world, eh? What do you reckon? Sounds good, mate. Why don't we have a look at some fights? Some fights, mate. Fight night. Pavlovich versus Blades. It was, uh, yeah, fight night at the, the Apex Centre. I'm going to say, Potty, set it up. John Jones versus Sergei Pavlovich. Ooh. Set it up. We're going to go down the Apollo Creed versus Ivan Drago. The storyline sets itself. Big win for Pavlovich. He was obviously the underdog against Curtis Blades. Um, the scariest thing about the fight was the significant strikes Pavlovich was scoring with the early in, early in the fight. And Curtis Blades didn't even look like taking him down. You know, Curtis Blades is a really, really well-accomplished wrestler. Didn't even shape for a takedown to try and get Pavlovich thinking. He just engaged in the striking and and it went pear-shaped for him. So I think Blades watching the replay, he'll he'll be disappointed. I mean, he got happy trading. And um, the first time he did look for the takedown, he was already on his skates. He'd already been tagged a couple of times. And, you know, he was going backwards. So it was very, very hard to, yeah, to stop Pavlovich coming forward. But as I discussed last week, Pavlovich is, he's a ball of excitement. He hits hard. And, I mean, he, he showed that to our, our great uh, fighting uh, Aussie, Taito Ivasa. Um, he had too much hand speed, but he has a chin and a half as well because he got hit by blades as well. He was just walking through it and coming forward. So that would make a fight with John Jones, for me, interesting. I mean, John Jones is the GOAT. John Jones does things that nobody thinks they can do in the octagon. So he would still be a very, very hot favourite. But John Jones gets hit, and I'd be interesting to see, interested to see him get hit by Pavlovich because he's fast and hits hard. Yes, so that was um, that was the Pavlovich Blades one. The other fight that I highlighted was Bobby Green versus Jared Gordon. It was an evenly poised fight, but you know Bobby's a hands down fighter moving around. But unfortunately, mate, um, you know Bobby led in for an elbow, a leading elbow, and usually uh, you would circle away or you'd sort of shift away from the power hand with your slips. Jared Gordon slipped toward the power hand. Ooh. So when he slipped toward the power hand, as Bobby was coming through, they head clashed. Yeah, okay. So Bobby was obviously anticipating a slip away, so he'd, he'd fake the jab and then went through with the elbow, and they ended up clashing heads. Bobby finished the fight, but it was ruled a no contest, yeah. um, you know, after the fact. But, you know, the biggest issue here was Bobby Green was furious at the end of it. Not the fact, and the, both fighters were quite respectful after it, but what it does is it highlights the ugly nature of fighter pay. Bobby, from my research, is on a 65-65 contract. So he gets $65,000 to show, $65,000 to win. So he goes in there and he finishes. He, he thinks he wins the fight, and then the commission steps in and says, no, no, we're going to call it a no contest. He loses his win money. 
So he turns up to the press conference absolutely fuming, saying, I need to get me my money. You know, like, you've, you've just ripped me money. I thought I won the fight. Yes, it was unfortunate for a head clash, but it's just crazy to think at this point in time that fighters would be in a position where they can lose, especially with the shit judges we got. Yeah. That they could lose, you know, half their pay packet over a decision or just something that just goes wrong, you know, an accident or whatnot. Yeah, so it was it was pretty interesting that one. Um, I'll I'll touch on the last one for the UFC. Um, so there's a fight night this coming up this week with uh, eighth ranked eighth ranked player uh, fighter, sorry, uh, Yadong Song versus Ricky Simone. Uh, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna be brutally honest with you, Potty. This fight night is like one foot of swell on your first day off work in three years. You know, you're gonna have to be an absolute desperate to go out there. Yeah. Um, however, on the flip side of that one, if you uh, for those who are uh, of our listeners who want to check out the fights, generally these are ones that surprise you, where you think, oh, just that's not gonna be worth watching that one. But then, uh, yeah, they end up having a handful of barn burners on there, and it gets really exciting. So. Keep an eye on the uh, on the KO Sports replays for that one if it gets good. Homework, mate. How'd you go? Did my homework. Um, Javante Davis versus Ryan Garcia. Uh, Garcia, both undefeated going into the fight. Uh, ended up being a 7th round KO to Tank Davis. Uh, after a uh, typically slow start for the fight from Tank, uh, he came out in the second round and scored a key knockdown. Only uh, the second knockdown in Garcia's career at that point. So uh, the slow start was expected from Tank. Um, yeah, he's, yeah, he's noted as a slow starter. Yeah. Typical in that Floyd Mayweather mould where downloads the data then yeah. goes to work. Because Mayweather's his mentor. Yeah. Um, interestingly, there was some con- uh, controversy and it got me thinking of the judging that you were speaking about before and speaking about a couple of weeks ago. In the second round... Um, when one of the judges scored the four, the fight ten ten, even though Tank scored a uh, scored a knockdown, so yeah, thought I'd throw to you over this yeah. because you you're all over the scoring system. And so a, so a, a knockdown is generally a ten eight. Yeah. Yeah. So a knockdown would be a ten eight. Um, I know there was no three knockdown rule yeah, in there the was fight. No three knockdown rule. Yeah. So, but yeah, generally a, a knockdown will be a ten eight. I you know. You can't not score at a 10-8 yeah. unless, yeah, I don't know. I, I know most scored Garcia the first round, but yeah. the second one was a 10-8, which turned the tide tanks way. But, yeah. Uh, in the end, it was a body shot to the liver um, slash ribs that ended the fight. So when you watch a fight, you're expecting a knockout, you're expecting to watch, and you're expecting to see someone's chin get absolutely yeah. um, knocked from one side of the ring to the other. But this was just almost a subtle... Um, punch. You didn't even really see how Tank Davis had the opportunity to hit him with enough force to take him down, and it was a delayed reaction. So he mm. got hit, and it must have been five, almost ten seconds later, and, and he takes a knee. So, what's it feel like? So, so the interesting one with this is there's a bit of information that's come out since the fight to say that he was potentially carrying an injury getting in there. Uh, experience would say that someone like Garcia gets hit there and then they just they go you know pretty immobile for a short period of time just get their breath back and then they go back and engage and it's usually all right but you could see there's that split second 
after he's tried to breathe it off that he walks back and then takes the knee. Yeah. So obviously something had, you know, had pulled him up on that. And then to obviously be taken countered from that, it was a pretty pretty vicious shot. There's suggestions that he was carrying an injury. Go again. There was a, a boxer who, um, one of the sparring partners, who's come out recently and said, I heard him in camp and I'm not the mole. They were claiming that there was a mole within the Garcia camp that had made uh, Tank aware of this injury. These are all sort of hypotheticals here. But Tank was doing work to the body throughout the fight. He was, you know, he was definitely targeting the body. So if there's anything in that story, I mean, the way Tank fought would suggest that they might have known that there was a bit of an issue there. But if we go back to the, the concept of being hit to the body... I mean, I've probably been hit to the body three times really, really well. And I could tell you where I was. I could tell you at what moment of the sparring session that it occurred. And I can tell you how I felt. And it is absolutely awful. It is like your life jumps out of your mouth after you are hit in the body. It is, a, it is the worst. There are, like you could take all the shots to the head. And you can brush them off, you can walk you know, walk through it, you can get your, your brain rattled. But having, you know, whether it be a teak kick to the liver, you know, in kickboxing, or whether it is just a, a rip to that liver side, I mean, it takes the life out of you. It is so awful. And if you are fatigued as well, there is possibly a chance that you might shit your pants as well when you get hit that, that good. Like it is, you just, you lose all life in your body. And that's why it's no surprise that fighters take a knee, just give me the 10 seconds, let's walk it off, you know. But That's what it looked like. It, you could tell basically within three seconds of him taking the knee, oh, He's not coming back. Yeah. He was in a bad way. And I think the the idea there is the fact that, I mean, it's a 10-8 round again. So if it's a knockdown and you take the knee, it's a 10-8 round again. If you're, if you're getting two 10-8s and you're seven rounds in, I mean, smart money could say that, well, this, this isn't going to be my night because I'm not going to get the decision. Do I take the, the beating, go through the 12 rounds, or do I just go, you know what, you got me here, let me... Regroup. Get back on the yeah, get back on the drawing board, not take the damage, still keep my my pretty looks and my TikTok account and keep going, like, you know. So he's only a young fighter, Ryan Garcia, so former runway model. Yes, well he's far more he's he's looking like he's getting out of a boxing career far better than, than I am, mate, because I've got a head that uh, needs regular panel beating. <laughs> All right, fantastic. But it was a, it was a great fight, mate. I and I enjoyed it. I, I I especially like when those lighter weights look so dangerous. And Javonta just looked, yeah, you know, he just looked dangerous the whole fight. So I'd be interesting to see how Ryan Garcia comes back from it. But I definitely believe, you know, like a young Canelo Alvarez when he fought Floyd Mayweather. I mean, he's we've seen the best of him ever since then. So yeah, hopefully that's the case with Ryan Garcia. So, uh, a bit more sport. Liv. Liv's in Australia. Liv's in Adelaide. Oh, Liv's alive. How good was that? How good was that? Gather round. Gather, gather round. round. Gather the round. real gather round. Oh. Chase Kepka nails it at the waterhole. Chase Kepka. Chase. I've heard that name before. I have, mate. Um, I mean, would he be any relation to 
Brooks Kepka? No, I can't can't imagine. Couldn't that. imagine. They're no. on the same team, are they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there wouldn't be any nepotism involved in in uh, Chase getting a start with oh, with Brooks's live team, would no, there? No, I don't think so. That, that can't be true. Well, I'm pretty sure he showed us that he can play golf regardless, because uh, he he absolutely nailed it at what was de- dubbed the water hole. Oh, and didn't they water him down? Absolutely. How good was that? Like oh, just, that was great. Like everybody. You know, and those who want to moan about it will go, oh, it's, it's not the, the waste management at Arizona. But everybody loved it. Like, it's yes, it's not waste management. Waste management is a different beast. But, geez, it was fun. Yeah. And it was good to see uh, Bert Kreischer, the machine. He was a comedian, Bert Kreischer, who's obviously touring Australia. He was, I mean, he knows how to party. Yeah. And he was there shirt off whooping it up with the crowd so it looked like a really really good vibe everyone i've spoken to and i mean this is one of the parts that people go oh well you know this is what live are trying to do but everyone i've spoken to just goes oh yeah i was actually talking to someone saying we should go like so it's obviously having an impact these these sorts of uh, events that live are putting on yeah we should go i think so we'll just um we'll tuck it on the back end of um of our vegas trip for the double header with the NRL. Why not? Why not? Make a week of it. Sounds great. Um, so looking at the live ladder, mate. So it's something that we can uh, we can check out at the moment. Uh, Dustin Johnson and the Aces. Mate, they're looking the goods. Season standings, they've started off well. They've had a, a runners-up, two runners-ups, a third, and now the win in Adelaide. Um, I mean, they're on 96 points. They're well and truly the 44 of of the second place talk so the four aces now i'm gonna put it out there mate if there's any criticism i've got of live it is the names of these teams they are are awful they are some of them are awful so as aussies we've obviously got a a keen eye on the ripper the ripper (laughs) shook my head mate um so cam smith and and the ripper boys uh they're obviously struggling to get going to fifth place they've had a 12th and an eighth but um yeah it's i it's different the whole idea um of the match play or obviously the matches and and the team aspect um but yeah it'll be really interesting to see how it goes the four aces look like they're they're sort of well and truly out in front but uh yeah it'll be interesting how that continues to go throughout the season and yeah how it all ends up so the the live golf that keeps marching on. Well, to, to finish off our other sports wrap, mate, I, I thought I'd talk a little bit of AFL. Oh, okay. Look, what do you got? We're rugby league tragics, and as rugby league tragics, we we love to have a little bit of a cheeky jab at the AFL here and there, and as we did last week. But I thought I'd be a little bit more more positive this You're week. Going to be kind to them this week. A little anyway. bit more positive, and um, okay. You know, good good friend of ours is a is a. St Kilda tragic, so I had the question, are the Saints marching in? When the Saints go marching in, when the Saints go marching in, oh how I want to be in St George, oh Kilda. (laughs) St George, well I mean, I think St George and St Kilda are two very different sort of areas and you know the the affluence in one is not seen in in the other so uh so the the saints is they 
top of the standings at the moment, are they, mate? Uh, I believe so. Um, they have won five out of their first six games, and uh, they were sitting on top of the ladder at last I looked at so it. So level with the pies. Level with level the pies. Level with the pies, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so good on you, Saints. I know a lot of... Um, There'll be a lot of long-suffering saints out there who would be daring to dream, and maybe this will be their year. Yeah, look, I'd be really, really excited, you know, if the Saints could win, just because we know that one of their greatest players had recently passed, Shane Warne. Shane, Shane Warne played a couple of games for the Saints back in the day, um, you know, but as long as you can... Could also keep... bowl a bit. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he made the choice to go and bowl instead. So, I um, mean, great for Australian cricket. Uh, not good for the um, social media personnel at the Saints because they would have had their hands full. Um, mate, the only other game that I sort of saw from the AFL, I'm not even going to pretend that I know what I'm talking about, was the, it was only because it was in a multi. It was uh, the Cats absolutely walloping the Swans. Like, that was a hiding oh, and a half. That was a bloodbath. I think one of the one of the legs in in the multi that was made in a punters club for us had uh, what was it the cats one to thirty nine yep. so every, everything else came through like a dream except for the I think it was a ninety eight point flogging but oh, anyway points. but yeah yeah it's absolute bloodbath but just finishing on the Saints you know the question's been asked is this their year I've got no idea probably not <laughs> <laughs> no no flags no flags. Okay, mate. So that's it for the sport, mate. We'll jump into to the multis, mate. Uh, multi review for yourself, and I, th- I, I think we've we've got some news here. Breaking money, news. Money, money, money. First win of the year. First win, mate. Cameron Smith didn't let me down. Highest finishing Aussie at live. Yep. Manly, they made me sweat for it, but they took down the Tigers yesterday, and the Pies. Made me feel a little bit dirty barracking for Collingwood, even though I don't really care that much, but I just, everyone says you can't do it unless you're a Collingwood supporter. Oh. And I, they got over the line and I, I think they scored eight out of the last nine goals. So, mate, so you, my money. you dug into your inner Eddie Maguire, mate, and I you did. got behind the pies. Okay. Um, what'd you earn? Was it a nice little earner that one? Uh, about 50 bucks, I think oh, I yeah, got it. I'll take that one home yeah. to the bank. Oh. Well, Potty, I've had my multi-pants pulled down in the humidity of Darwin, mate. So not only did I have to sit there and watch one of my good mates, two of my good mates actually, watch their mighty Parramatta Eels get beaten by the Broncos while a belligerent Broncos fan (laughs) was hurling abuse at them from sitting right next to me actually at the other end of the table. Um, Look, no head-to-head for the Parramatta. No tries to Will Penasini or even Selwyn Cobloaf. He couldn't get over. For the Bronx, zero from three. Gamble responsibly. Gamble responsibly. <laughs> All right, but we'll be back at it again uh, next week. We'll and, be back at it again next week. And finally, mate, finishing with the penis of the week. Penis of the week. What you got for me? Mate, penis of the week. I've... I've no, I'm going to go in hard today. Um, the Tottenham Hotspur Football Club is my penis of the week. Now, what I'm going to do with this one, though, Potty, is I'm going to give the fans a reprieve on this one, the away-following fans. Mm. They're, they're not a part of this, just the football club in general. Fans travel 
an 850 kilometre round trip to watch the players they support at Tottenham offer up absolute pass against Newcastle. <laughs> I, can, I think we can agree, Potty, that fans can be demanding and very unreasonable at times. I certainly can. <laughs> but in this instance, the players owe more of themselves as professionals to the fans. After 20 minutes... They were four 0 down, and there was fans videoed. And there was fans videoed leaving St James's Park. They have just spent their hard earned. They've worked their ass off. They've spent their hard earned to go on an away trip, as I mentioned before, eight hundred and fifty kilometre round trip up to the north of England, the border of Scotland, and they had to watch that shit. The players need to realise the sacrifice their fans make to support the team at times. You know, it's an absolute disgrace. The Spurs away following, they get the pass, mate. But as a football club, the players, you guys, are the penis of the week. Give yourselves an uppercut. What do you got, mate? Look... I just couldn't. I know we went into detail about this earlier, um, so I won't go into too much detail again, but I just couldn't go past the marathon cheat. <laughs> and not just for being a cheat, but for being a shit cheat. Yeah. You cheated your way to third place. Yeah, you've got to do better than Come that. Come on. If you're going to cheat, let's get it right, would you? Do it well. Yeah. No, I'd love to complete... I love to compete and I love to win, but to blatantly cheat your way to a podium finish and take it away from someone who's hard, who's worked so hard to get it, you've got my vote, love. Penis of the week. Rightio, Potty. We have done it again. Knocked another one in the books. Um, thank you to all our listeners. You know where to get us, guys. Social media pages, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. We're all there at Sports Detention. Get around us, like, share, subscribe, pass us on, get the recommendations out to your, your friends and loved ones. And uh, we thank you, obviously, uh, for listening. Potty, you got anything to finish us off, mate? Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening and uh, farewell. So for any of our listeners down in the Foster Cun Curry area, home of the Hawks, we say goodnight.